Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. And so we invite you to remain standing in body or in spirit for our scripture reading today that comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds." And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So God, whether we are uh, breaking down or breaking through or anywhere in the middle, Lord, would your truth and your word meet us here? Lord, we take a deep breath. We slow down ourselves, we turn our attention, we fix our eyes, we fix our gaze upon you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hate packing for trips. I imagine probably a lot of us just despise this endeavor of trying to have as as many possible items of clothing uh, for as many particular circumstances as possible in the smallest bag as possible. And uh, whether you've lived in Oklahoma for like a week or for decades, you know that even if you look ahead at the weather forecast, it may or may not be true, right? We just don't really know. I mean, just this past week, right? It's 80 today, I think it's supposed to get to. um, And then it's going to be cool again. You just don't ever know even what might be. And then Lord help you if you're packing with children, particularly a baby. It's amazing how how something so small could take up like your entire trunk of your car. Um, When you go to stay overnight at somebody's house, you're just like, no thanks, we'll just stay here forever um, because it's not worth it as well, right? We look forward to these adventures, but sometimes the preparation gets us uh, in in the way. And um, and then, you know, when we go on a trip, you know, sometimes some of us are very itinerary oriented people, right? We like to have everything, you know, down. Like this is what we're doing on Tuesday at 937 a.m. We know exactly where we're supposed to be, right? Others of us just kind of want to go with the, the flow a little bit. 
um, we're just kind of like, cool, like just, we don't have to schedule what time we're going to wake up. We can just kind of figure it out. Um, but we know that no matter how well we plan, that, that things are not going to go the way that we plan them to be. No matter how detailed our itinerary is, it never lines up the way that um, it is. I had a, a friend of mine, and he was working on his sermon. Um, he's, he's one of these weird pastors, um, and there's a lot of different ways we're weird. But he's weird because he... He plans, he like writes his sermons weeks in advance, um, and I don't understand that at all, but that's what he was doing. And so his, him and his wife were going on a, on a European uh, vacation, and they were gone for a couple of weeks, so he was planning his sermon for when he got back. And as he was writing it out, he was saying, he was writing out about the delays and the flight inconveniences that he was going to have. And sure enough, he stayed a night in a country that he wasn't expecting to, um, because he just knew that that was happening. Right? And that's the way it is with trips. When we go on a journey, when we go on an adventure, we never know exactly what it's going to be. You know, one of my favorite uh, pastoral activities that I get to do is do premarital counseling with, with couples because they're about to begin this grand adventure and they have no idea what they're getting into. None of us do. Right? All we know is that we're, we're, we're entering into a life and we love somebody, but, but we don't always know. And sometimes there's wonderful things and other times there's difficult things. I think back to what a lady named Stacy told me um, one time, and she said, I had no idea that when I was saying I do to my husband, Joe, that I would also be saying I do to being a widow in my 40s, and that I would be left to raise twin high school boys without them. We never know what, what life will, will be like, and if we did, would we, would we go through with it? And, and, and it's at this point in time that I... Think of a 90s country song. So this is your 90s country alert. Close your ears if you don't like 90s country. Get over it. Uh, but, you know, there's a song that talks about this. It's one of the classic 90s songs. I want you to think. Does it, can anybody think about what song am I sending to you? Garth Brooks. That's a hint. Okay. All right. So I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to hear the melody come through. Looking back on the memory of the dance we shared neath the stars above. And for a moment, all the world was right. How could I have known that you'd ever say goodbye? And now, I'm glad I didn't know the way it Could have missed the pain. Yeah, you can clap. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I must say, I, I, like, I felt this like groundswell of like people wanted to just like stand up and sing. Uh, I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the, the dance. And, and, and if we knew what was going to happen, if we knew what the adventures of life would be, if we knew how our journey would lead us, would we want to go through with it? Um, and, and of course, Gar's song, it says, yes, I could have missed the pain, but I'd have missed the joy of the journey. 
And, and oftentimes, you know, sometimes we think, oh, this is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be more than I would have signed up for. But when we look back, we see the beautifulness of the dance and where God was and what has happened. And, and, and so it really is in this moment that, that I think about this scripture that we have because Jesus really gives an itinerary for what the disciples were about to encounter on the journey and what he was going to encounter. And even though they knew what to expect, they didn't believe it, right? So this is the itinerary that, that Jesus laid before his disciples, all right? That they were going to go to Jerusalem, that he was going to suffer terrible things, that, that he was going to be killed and then be raised from the dead. Good news, right? That's what it says. Go to Jerusalem, suffer terrible things, be killed, be raised from the dead. And Peter was like, hold up now. This is not supposed to happen. This is, you're not supposed to do this. Like, life is supposed to be different for us as the disciples. You're not going to suffer. You're not going to die. And they just really ignored this being resurrected from the dead because they couldn't even comprehend it. So I want to kind of take us back to kind of where the disciples were and kind of give us a little bit of context um, for this place in the Gospel of Matthew, because what we're doing is that we're going to take this journey from Matthew 16 all the way to Matthew 21 over the next five weeks. And we're going to be looking about how Jesus turned his attention to Jerusalem. But first, let's talk about the context of Jesus's ministry. Now, what we have up here is that we have a map of Israel, all right? And so you, if you kind of look um, at the northern part, at the top of the map, there's this light purple section, that's Galilee. That's where Jesus did most of his ministry in the Gospels of Matthew, particularly between like verses 1 and about 16. Most of his ministry was done in this area. I think we can go ahead and circle that um, so that you can kind of see where we were. So that is where Jesus did most of his ministry. It was in these tiny villages and these podunkvilles, all right? Nazareth is so small of a town where Jesus was from. Um, there's an interaction that when one of the disciples uh, was newly called. Um, he was telling his brother that we should come and follow Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, Nazareth? Does anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, it was such a small village. I mean, it really would have been just enough for like 10 households or something like that. It was more of a family compound than even a village. And there's all these sort of no-name cities, Tiberias, Cana, Capernaum, these no-name villages. If it was Oklahoma, it'd be like Godibo and Slapout, Nineka. Insert team that's in the B championship series right now in the basketball tournament, right? All these small towns, which is amazing that here, the king of the universe, when he came, he came to the most meager and just random of places. But he always had the intention to go to Jerusalem because that was where the religious center was. And that was where the Israelites would pilgrimage multiple times a year to go and worship. It was where the temple was. It was the place to go. And so we have Galilee up here, that area where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. And then down towards the bottom of the mountain or the bottom of the map right there is Jerusalem. And so in Matthew 16, the scripture that we talked about. It said that from then on, he turned his attention to Jerusalem. And, and this really marks a change from Jesus being a miracle maker, from somebody who was teaching and wisdom, to now he is going to fulfill his final mission of suffering, of death, and of 
resurrection. Now, right before the scripture that I read, just a little bit earlier in Matthew 16, is one of the more extraordinary texts in our scripture. Because Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he says, who do the people in that top circle, who do they say that I am? And some says, well, he's a prophet, he's Elijah, he's John the Baptist. They give all these sort of things. And then Jesus asks this question, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon Peter, answers the question, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, you're right. That's always what I want Jesus to say. He doesn't always say that to me, right? You're right. Heaven, earth did not reveal this. Heaven revealed this to you. And then he goes on and he says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. On this, on you, on this foundation of who you say I am, I will build my church. And I really believe that this is the most important question that you and I will ever answer. Is who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Holy One? Now again, in those days, we, uh, life was very, very different. And so we have to kind of imagine ourselves in a different world. Because um, this whole area of Israel did not, they, they had control over it but they were under Roman occupation. So they were able to do some of what they could do, but everybody was waiting for a Messiah. And in those days, the Messiah, the Christ, they thought was going to be a military conqueror. That that the Messiah was going to come and that he was going to restore order and restore Israel to be its own country in charge of itself. And so when Peter said, you're the Messiah, he's also thinking, You're the one who's going to bring back and claim our land for Israel again. And so it is so extraordinary whenever just right after that, when Jesus tells him what is going to happen and tells the disciples that he's going to have to suffer and die, that that, that Peter's like, no, 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 you got it wrong, Jesus. You are absolutely incorrect about this. And because you've just said that on this rock, on me, that we're going to build the church, it says here in our scriptures, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Have you ever told God he's not doing things right? I know you haven't, but somebody has, right? I mean, you can just imagine the scene. Peter like, okay, now that I'm like pretty cool, like, come here, you're wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. This is not what it's supposed to be. Because that's not what the Messiah does. The Messiah doesn't suffer. The Messiah makes other people suffer. Makes those Romans suffer. Make those who make life difficult for us suffer. The Messiah does not suffer. He causes others to suffer. And Jesus turns to him and says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Have you ever had like a really good day go really badly? I mean, this had to be Peter, right? Like he gets the answer right on this rock. I'm going to build my church. And then, and then just a little bit later, it's like, get behind me, Satan. Like, whoo, what a roller coaster of a day, right? But I love what he said. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human perspective point of view, not from God's. And how often in my own life do I see things from a human point of view instead of God's? I want to be able to see the world from the way that God does it. I want to be able to see my life and to see others as God does, not from my own perspective. That's really, really hard. 
And so we have to adopt the posture and mindset that Jesus has. And, and sometimes Jesus speaks very clearly, and that's what it says about, about how he was going to, to die. It says he spoke plainly to them. And then other times Jesus sort of speaks as if he's a riddler. He says these words, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you want to try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And so he's really trying to say that there's a whole different way of messiahship. There's a whole different way of living that, that what you thought was up is actually down and what you thought was right was actually wrong. And if you want to hold on to something, you have to let it go. And here Jesus is saying we're on a journey of suffering, of sacrifice, of love, of humility. And he invites us to the strange journey. And this is the invitation we all have today, is to join Jesus on the journey of his life, death, and resurrection so we too can experience his life, his death, and somehow attain resurrection from the dead. That sounds like a lot. And we don't have to be there today. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus' invitation, is that he's inviting them to this journey to Jerusalem. Now, a journey is designed to prepare us for whatever might be ahead, for the destination that is ahead, right? Life is this journey. And what we've often found is that, is that we have the skills and the gift and the resiliency necessary to go through what we have are facing because of what we've gone through in the past. And if we allow ourselves to be shaped and formed by the journey, then whatever we come up with in the future, God has already prepared for us. And the, journey, and the destination is not necessarily comfort. The destination is more about who we are called to become. Who is God inviting us to be? How do we want to be shaped and formed? Now, I came across a quote, and I've been thinking about it for the past few months, and it's this. It's that people grow in a quest or a crisis. We don't really grow when we're comfortable we don't grow when nothing is, is forced upon us. We grow whenever we have a quest or we have a crisis. Now, I prefer to choose my own quest, but sometimes life gives me my own crisis, right? My own quest. And so if we think about ourselves and if we frame our life this way, where is it that we are calling our, where is God calling us to grow? What is he calling to transform? Is it an attitude of my heart? Is he trying to get rid of bitterness inside of me or an anger? Is he trying to help me to stop a destructive habit? What is the quest that God has called us to? And Jesus is going to use this journey, and we're going to take this journey to become who God wants us to be. Because often it's not just the destination. For Jesus and his disciples, it didn't end in Jerusalem, but it continues. And they followed his teachings. Because they too suffered, and they too died. And they too experience a resurrection from the dead. Not in Jerusalem, but beyond Jerusalem. And so Jesus is going to take this experience. And he's going to help us along the way. Now one of the things that, that the Jewish people would have done. Again, I mentioned they would make these pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Because that's where the temple was. That's where the sacrifices were. And so multiple times a year, they would, they would make this what they would call this ascent to Jerusalem. Because when you're in Israel, kind of Jerusalem is the highest place. And so you, you ascend on your way up there. And there's this whole 
um, Psalter, Psalm 120 to 134, that, that has these songs of ascent. And they would have been the songs that, that people would have read and sung on their journey. And there's different kinds of songs. And over the, the course of this, these next, this next month, we're going to be hearing and seeing and receiving some of these songs. But as I was working on this message, I, I, I came across a book that has been on my to-read list for years. And I'm going, to, I'm going to offer it to you if, if you want to kind of take this journey to the next step. Um, there's this book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's written by a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. And uh, Eugene Peterson was the one that translated the message, which I, I really like. And, and he's going to walk through each of these, these different psalms of ascent to help us understand as they were preparing for this journey, as they were waking their way to Jerusalem, how they're shaped and formed. So if you're a reader, um, let's read this book uh, together. And one of the key things that he has us think about is, is, is who are we? And he says that we are pilgrims. And this is what he says a pilgrim is. A pilgrim is a person who spends their life going someplace, going to God, and whose path is getting there is the way, Jesus Christ. So instead of seeing ourselves as spectators or tourists, as people who are just kind of there, is that we're called to see ourselves as pilgrims on this journey towards Jesus. And so in Matthew 16, the very first words I said were, from then on. And that's what a pilgrim is, is that every moment, every opportunity is an opportunity to be shaped and formed by God and to live life God's way. He says that the trip to Jerusalem acted out a life lived upward toward God, an existence that advanced from one level to another in developing maturity. That as you make this journey, and whatever your journey is, whatever your quest or whatever your crisis, as you make this journey, allow it to transform you and to change you from the inside out. God, what are you doing in the midst of this? And so the psalm we read earlier, Psalm 121, it, it said these words, I look up to the mountains, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Now, there's a couple of things in here that, that, that Eugene Peterson points out, and so I'll point out as well, because I think they're really helpful to me. The first is that, that opening line says, I look up to the mountains from where does my help come from? What does that mean? Now, in those days, as they would have been making this journey, and, and when, this was, when the psalm was being written, there was a, a lot of idol worship that was happening. And so if you looked up on one mountain, because that's as close as you get to the heavens, you would see a, a temple that was there for the pagan sun god or the pagan moon god, that, that on each of the tops of the mountains is where the idols were. And so he says, I look up to the mountains and I see these ways that are promising a better way to live. But my help doesn't come from them. And we still, we can look, we don't really look up to mountains, but we can look in lots of different places. And it will promise us help. It'll promise us salvation. It'll promise us, us a better way. But we don't have help there. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. Now he says these words, he'll not let you stumble. He, he'll watch over you. 
The sun will not harm you, nor the moon by night. And so there's a few different things that are here. There's a physical pain that we won't stumble, all right? There, the, the sun will not get us, and the moon will not harm us. Now, in those days, the moon was in some days associated with lunacy. In these days, a full moon, ask any teacher, is associated with lunacy. So this is what the promise of the psalm is. The promise of the psalm is not that we will never stub our toes, because that will happen, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, nothing will be able to separate us from God's purpose in us. So we will have difficulties, and if you've, um, you know, if you've ever hiked a mountain, you know there's difficulties, you know there's struggles, you know there's pain, but God is going to find a way, and he's going to watch over you, and he's going to protect you, he's going to keep you from lunacy, and he's going to make sure that his purpose gets done. The Lord watches over your life, the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So we have to turn ourselves over and say, God, what are you doing in this quest? What are you doing in this crisis? As I take this journey with you, can, can you just show me your goodness and your faithfulness? Whether we're in the high moments or the low moments. And a journey, and again, any good journey involves going up and down. But we're all making our way to Jerusalem. This week as I was working on a sermon, I, I came across a song, and it's called uh, Highlands, the, the Song of Ascent, and, and we're going to be singing it during communion, but let me share some of the lyrics with you because it just really resonates with me. It says, because in the highlands or the heartache, you're neither more or less inclined. I would search and stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find. And then I love this line. I will praise you on the mountain, and I will praise you when the mountain's in my way. You're the summit where my feet are, so I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows, no less faithful when the night leads me astray, because you're the heaven where my heart is, in the highlands and the heartache all the same. My friends, we're on this journey, and sometimes it takes us high and sometimes it takes us low. Sometimes we're on the mountain and sometimes the mountain's in the way and we can't see past it. But God is the same God. He is faithful. He is good. He watches over us. And he's on this journey with us, calling us to look up to where he is, to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Now, one of the things you know I say is I don't know your story, but I know that you have one. And I don't know if you're on a mountain today or if there's a mountain in your way. But, but again, I came across this quote, and it just it feels like it's a word for somebody today. And this is what it says. It says, in difficult times, you must always keep something beautiful in your heart. When the mountain's in your way, you must always keep something beautiful in your heart. And maybe the song we sang earlier, maybe the person sitting in front of you or behind you, it may be holding on to the promise of one of these psalms of ascent, Maybe holding on to the person next to you, but keep something beautiful in your heart. And God will walk along you and walk with you all along this pilgrim's journey. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. 
For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.